Another week of trying to figure out what this Chargers team is. Another tough loss for the Chargers in a crowded AFC in the first loss inside the AFC West, losing in Denver to the Broncos to go to 6-5 and five on the season. And there's a lot of things that have to be talked about today. I mean, Justin Herbert with another bad game against a good defense. The defense giving up 8 of 11 third downs on the day. A lot of struggles there and a lot in between. I mean, the roster depth on this team, obviously something that got exposed too. So, I mean, a lot to get into and we have to get into it. So let's go ahead and get started. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always, my co-host, David Drogmeyer. On today's show, we have one of the original members, John Kegley, on the show with us to discuss the Chargers' latest heartbreaking loss in an AFC West and an AFC that has just been so crowded that all of these games hurt when you lose them. But thank you guys for making us your first listen, especially on a day where it might be hard to listen to Chargers content. But we have a lot of good stuff to get into today because there's a lot to talk about. And there was some good performances that we'll get into as well. But if you don't already, make sure to subscribe to our new Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and follow wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. But I think it just starts with another really frustrating game for the Chargers in their offense, David. I mean, the defense definitely, I mean, like I said, 8 out of 11 third down conversions. A lot of those long third down conversions Chargers struggling still to get off the field in those situations. It's been a theme for them lately. But when you look at this, I mean, the Chargers can't score on their first four drives of the game. They can't score on their first three drives of the second half. I mean, the offensive inconsistencies have been happening all year long, and you just need more because the Chargers defense, for as bad as they were at times, held them in this game for a lot of it, kept the Chargers in striking range, and over and over again, the Chargers offense could not come through. And I think, you know, Justin Herbert obviously doesn't have the best game. He had more drops. The play calling and game playing was obviously a little bit questionable, but that's just why it's so hard to put this team into the upper echelon of the conference and to, you know, really recognize them as a real threat to a team that's consistently there, like the Kansas City Chiefs, when you're just getting these inconsistencies week in and week out. And this time you just have a, a frustrating 28 to 13 loss in your division against the Broncos. Well, you knew what this was. I mean, the Broncos were a very, very good defense. You knew there was a lot of, of talent in the, the secondary there. You knew that they're on offense, that you weren't going to get a lot of wow throws from the quarterback, but you were going to get a ball control style with a lot of the running game. And that's exactly what you saw. Uh, the Chargers just didn't have any consistency on the offensive side. I mean, you, you, already, you already documented it. I mean, they were very fruitless through pretty much the entire first half until they get an interception by Derwin James, and that kind of gives them some semblance of life. But, uh, you know, they take that and they score a touchdown after that. But that was pretty much the only highlight of the game. They just were never able to take that uh, that momentum, at least what was like looked at as a momentum-shifting play, and take that and, and propel yourself forward. The Chargers were never able to do that, thus a, a very, very frustrating loss. Yeah, I mean, 100%. The Chargers' offense is just – one of those offenses where you can't really get a good grasp on it. And I think that obviously Justin Herbert didn't have a great day. And I mean, it sucks because it seems like you can't really criticize Herbert even when he deserves it because obviously Chargers fans are very protective over him. I get it. I mean, he is the golden child of the franchise, but he definitely missed on some throws today. He had two second half interceptions that we'll get more into later on. 
one his fault probably maybe his worst pick of the season the other one obviously Osnick where has a chance to catch it but it was a miscommunication on the route between him and Eckler so that was one obviously that you wish you could have back as well but that's what really sealed the game in the second half when you had you know three drives and a chance to get back in because with as bad as the game went so many opportunities to get back in and so many drives where you're getting somewhere right and you're seeing things start to click just to have you know penalties or a turnover really bring it back and I think the other thing is for the Chargers defense, yeah, you did have some standout performances like Derwin James, right? Obviously, he was everywhere on Sunday. Joey Bosa had ups and downs, but I'd say mostly positive for him. You know, a couple of tackles for loss, three run steps, four total tackles, but eight of 11 on third downs, John. I mean, that's just been a problem for this defense. I mean, even when they were getting the stops on first and second down, you do get a couple of run steps to get you into some good situations, right? But easy third down and 10 screen pass, right? A third and seven, that looks way too easy. I mean, a third and nine or third and goal from the nine, that ends up being an easy rushing touchdown. Like Brandon Staley, I mean, obviously the defense isn't good and it's fair to wonder what, you know, kind of talent they have out there outside of the players that you know to be good. But still, I mean, he deserves criticism as, you know, a defensive coach, as a head coach when the Chargers are losing games like this. And you have those plays like that. Like I know he's not necessarily working with a full deck of cards. The Chargers were injured. No Limbaugh Joseph on the COVID list. Sante Samuel Jr., best corner, is out. But it's still Teddy Bridgewater, and it's still an offense that has been shut down by much worse defenses. I mean, it's hard to say about the Chargers, much worse defense, because the defense hasn't played well. But the defense, even though it kept them in the game a lot of time, it's still obviously there's a lot to work out there. And, I mean, the roster depth obviously showed in that when they were missing a couple of guys and it ends up looking that way. Well, I mean, you say, I mean, we are the – last ranked run defense in the league right so it, it doesn't get in that and the fact that you were the worst run defense in the league with with the sante samuel jr and you missed those two guys i think of much worse than that honestly so does staley yeah. get criticism well he's of the year he's gonna put guys where they need to go to be successful to have their strengths used and not be put in their weaknesses well if this team is a weak run defense, are you not going to be going to keep putting the same exact thing out there? You're not going to try some stuff like when you put Joy Bosa in on a guard, he got in pretty good. Did you, that was experimental? It worked. Can we get more of that? Right. Staley does deserve criticism because he is not trying new things. Does he deserve criticism because the players aren't working well? No. He deserves around three to four years to implement his system and get the players he needs for his system. But while the season's going on and you're in the playoff race, you need to try things to keep your season alive. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, hey, he was the defensive genius. And I think, I mean, there's no in-between right now, at least, you know, in charge of social media, just with the pulse of the fan base. Like, you either hate Staley now and he was totally the wrong decision or, you know, still kind of trying to defend him as this wonderkin head coach that's going to turn things around for the Chargers, where it's probably somewhere in between and being a great defensive coordinator isn't the same thing as being a great head coach. That's not a one year transition necessarily. And he obviously had different personnel that he signed up for with the Rams when he took over that job. So I do think it is a process and I do think, you know, Tom Telesco deserves a lot of criticism as well. And I think we'll probably expand on that a little bit tomorrow and even more on today's show with the replacement for Matt Filer, not being Brendan Hymas, a fifth round pick from this year, but being Senio Calamete who really, really struggled. And obviously, he was out there over the guy that you picked and over some of the other guys you've been keeping 
at the end of your roster in positions we knew were going to get tested, right? In depth, we knew was going to get tested with the history of some of the injuries for some of the Chargers players. So there's a lot of blame to go around. I mean, there's not much positive to take away offensively or defensively. Both times, you know, both sides, I guess, had some moments, but overall just another incomplete, inconsistent performance for a Chargers team where it's like, they can't win consecutive games anymore. Like they started off four and one and now they can't win back to back games. And I just think that there's just some issues, you know, offensively when things aren't going right, when the protection isn't holding up, do you have the play, you know, pieces in place to turn things around? Do you have the coach and offensive coordinator in place to make the adjustments on the fly game in and a game out? And those are all things that get evaluated under a spotlight and a magnifying glass for the rest of the season. And these are all things that, you know, We'll see how it goes, and there's still a lot to play for this season because even off a terrible game, even with a flawed roster, the Chargers are still in the thick of it, but it's not going to get any easier next week going up against the Cincinnati Bengals, who have a pretty good defense and a lot of offensive weapons to worry about as well. So next, we're going to be talking about some things that happened in the first half, not really a game recap, but Derwin James trying to put the team on his back and kind of turn things around by himself, and the Chargers just being kind of a hair away from some explosive plays offensively, but just keeping their defense on the field way too long and asking way too much of them. We're going to get into that coming up after this. But first, I need to tell you guys about Direct TV Stream, which is something that I use literally every day. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you guys about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite shows, sports, movies, all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no more needing to buy a device ever again. And the best part is, there's no annual contract. You're not going to get locked up for multiple years, so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, guys. Well, I don't really want to go drive for drive in this first half. And we probably won't do, you know, what we have done and what went right and what went wrong tomorrow just because in a game like this, I feel like it just skews so heavily on what went wrong just because there was so much to talk about on both sides of the ball, especially against a team in the Broncos that, I mean, yes, they have some really good defensive players. Their defense balled out against the Chargers offense. Chargers offense has a lot, you know, of blame in that. But the Denver Broncos made a lot of plays as well and had a pretty good game plan going up against the Chargers and Vic Fangio, you know, going up against his mentee, Brandon Staley's team. So the one thing I do want to focus on, David, though, to start is just how the Chargers get things going offensively and how you can see them, you know, not have these droughts. And that's the biggest thing. And all, all the takeaways from every game is like an offensive drought. And that's the thing. It's like, yeah, you can have a bad drive, right? If you have four bad drives in a row, you're just a bad offense, right? And that's just sometimes as simple as it gets. And in this one, you're down 14 to zero before you can really get anything going. You know, you get a punt on the first series, right, by the Broncos. You That's a big play right there. You have a chance to go up against a team that you want them to make Teddy Bridgewater beat you. And, and, you know, in some ways he did beat them. But he only had to throw the ball 18 times, too, when Drew Locke wasn't in there. But what I'm saying, though, is, I mean, it's 14-0, and now you're playing right into their hand. Like, you just got down so quickly, and offensively you go, you know, I, I don't mind the call going for it on fourth down. I thought, you know, Justin Herbert threw it to Keenan Allen, who is super well covered on that play. So, I mean, maybe I would like a play that gets somebody a little bit more open or a better opportunity. But – 
that's the end of one of your drives. And the four drives you have to start the first half, you go three and out, three and out, turnover on downs, and then a four, you know, play drive that ends in a punt, which really doesn't do anything for you with another chance, you know, to stay in the game, take control of the game. I think that's just the biggest problem for the Chargers. Like you can't have four drives like that with this offense. No, not at all. And I mean, like I've said before, it seems like if the Chargers offense doesn't get started going like and really moving up and down the field early on in games, they really struggle to find that rhythm. And it sometimes it takes them too long to be able to get in that rhythm. And then it's too little too late. It seemed like in this game, that's exactly what happened. It is. I mean, and it just happened too often. Like it would be one thing if this was the game that we saw and it's like, Hey, Offense was doing great. It was unsustainable to be that good. But this game, they just had a bad day. Like, there's just been too many games where it's just a bad day. And that's the problem. And I think for Joe Lombardi, for this offense, I mean, they had a lot underneath that was working for them. Justin Herbert was pretty good when throwing underneath. But, I mean, I think he ended up going 2 of 8 on throws, you know, 10 yards plus down the field or 3 of 9, something along those lines. That's not good. And the protection doesn't hold up, so it makes it harder to go downfield, obviously. And when you keep, you know, throwing these short passes in the tight windows, a couple of balls might get intercepted like they did in the second half as well, even though, you know, one of those wasn't a tight window throw. But I think with the Chargers offense, it's just Joe Lombardi deserves blame. Justin Herbert deserves blame. The offensive skill players deserve blame as well because still a lot of drop passes, something like this team still cannot get over. And I think defensively, giving up 14 points in the first half wasn't, you know, the dagger for the Chargers, John. But it was just kind of how it happened, right? And I think that was the more concerning part because they had multiple third downs to get off of the field, which is awful because, you know, you have chances there and Teddy Bridgewater is not known for throwing it past the sticks on third downs. And I thought the other thing was is the first touchdown is a Teddy Bridgewater scramble that goes to the right side. He gets outside and breaks contain. Kazir White's in pursuit kind of gives up on the five-yard line as if he thought Teddy Bridgewater was going to run out of bounds. Bad, you know, urgency by the corners on the defensive backs on the outside to go try to make a tackle on him, which when a quarterback has the ball, I know you have to be peril, you know, you have to can't be carefree near the sideline or careless near the sideline. But you should also, you know, kind of have your eyes lit up that you have a chance to put your hands on the quarterback, right? And that's not what we saw. And then you have that combined with the other touchdown where it's third and goal from the nine yard line and you give up an easy Nine-yard touchdown, only five Chargers defenders in the box. Not even close. So I think even though 14 points sucks, John, it was the way that happened that was more disconcerting. Well, yeah, I mean, despite everything, you gave up only 14 points just for three quarters alone. Like, your defense wasn't doing too bad, but the fact that your offense wasn't moving the ball gave the Broncos good starting position to get those 14 points. And the fact that you let a quarterback rush for a touchdown along the sideline because you're worried about a penalty. I mean, I get it. You don't want to you don't want to get fined for hitting a quarterback late. You don't want to get a penalty, give them an automatic first down, but you got to do something. You got to at least put like a on them, give them a nudge or something. Not you don't have to like throw your shoulder into them. Give them a slight nudge, do something that makes sure he goes out of bounds. But instead you just stand there and he dies. You know that we know our run defense is horrible and so you put five in the box inside the 10 that doesn't make sense to me i still do not get it trust your corners to play man coverage and get pressure trust your d-line and get the pressure on the inside and stop the run but you just don't play to your weakness apparently inside the 10 yard line none of that made sense defense didn't make sense to me really once you got to third down because first and second down 
I thought they played pretty decent in the first half. But when third down came, the play did not make sense to me at all. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's part of the frustration is that's one of those moments where like, all right, well, that's on the call, really, because I just don't know what the Chargers personnel, if you can expect those five guys in the box to be able to hold up on a run. I mean, Staley obviously didn't think they were going to be willing to run it, and it was a great call against him. We saw some really good calls from the Broncos, knowing Brandon Staley's defense. You look at that third and 10, an easy screen pass that happened in the second half. I mean, that was just way too easy. You have one guy, Drew Tranquil, gets caught up near the line, and there's nobody even in the vicinity. I mean, there was nobody in the area code there. You just can't give up third downs that easily, especially against offense that, you know, had converted 34% of their third downs going into this game. I mean, this was not a good team that this happened to you against. So I think that is the frustrating part, um, you know, defensively too. But you did have Derwin James, and it did feel like he was going to save the day for a second, and the Chargers offense responded off of that. I mean, really the only time during the entire day where you had your offense feeding off of your defense and your defense giving you a big play to get the ball back to your offense because Derwin James makes maybe the, the toughest interception of the season, picking up a ball on the, you know, from the dirt, basically on a ball from Drew Locke and Drew Locke, I mean, was a disaster and the chargers really. Thanks Drew. Appreciate that. I mean, Drew Locke was basically in two drives and had a fumble that rolled forward for a first down, which was ridiculous. Like, of course, Joey Bosa gets a sack on third down forces a fumble. It rolls and Tim Patrick ends up recovering it for a first down. Like, you just can't make that just step up luck. against the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, a lot of it is bad luck. But, I mean, he also throws an interception that gives the Chargers life with a minute and 16 seconds left. And that was just, I mean, it sucks to have these games, you know, go down in vain when you have, you know, a defensive player, David, like Derwin James, really keeping you in it and giving you a chance. And really, I mean, giving the Chargers a chance in the entire game because they get to cut it to 14-7 before halftime. Yeah, I mean, without that play, I mean, who knows what this game would have looked like. I mean, Derwin James was all over the field on the first half. He was making good pass breakups. He was getting pressure on the quarterback. He absolutely leveled Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, actually took him out of the game for a little while. I mean, he was dealing with quite a bit of pain because Derwin hit him. And I mean, hit him like every defensive player dreams of hitting a quarterback. (laughs) And that's unabated with nobody in his way where you just get a steamroll a guy, and that's exactly what Derwin did on that play. And then, like you said, with the interception, Derwin James basically said, hey, I'm going to go out there and do everything I can to put my team in position to win a game. And he did that. I mean, but hey, this is a team game, and uh, all the individual uh, accomplishments, unfortunately, weren't weren't going to help this Chargers team against a, a hungrier Broncos team who clearly wanted to go out there and get that victory today. Yeah, I mean, it's always – only on really plays like the ones I was talking about before where you question, you know, a team's hunger. But, like, there was a few times where Chargers, you know, end up missing tackles. But it only really turns into a big play if the rest of your defense isn't there to swarm in and finish it off for you, right? If one, one guy missing a tackle shouldn't always lead to a big play. But if the rest of the guys are slowing down, assuming the other guy's going to make the tackle, that's when things start getting busted. That happened way too much yeah. in this game. There's way t- – the effort on the tackling in this game was disgusting. Like there's too many instances on the outside where they had defenders, they were in position to get them out of the field of play just to watch them tightrope the sideline and continue going. It's just so frustrating when that happens. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, you didn't even see the swarming in this game, man. No, it was flashbacks of 2019. Oh, like they're hungry. 
Yeah, no, Easy. and that's w- what we saw a lot of in the games where the Chargers were doing better in run defense. And like even four and a half yards per carry isn't a terrible outing, especially for the worst run defense in the league. It's just when you give it up that consistently and the other team is willing to keep going to it, right? And then obviously it wears you down the fourth quarter and you get to run the ball, run the clock out at the end of the game. It's just you can't have it and the Chargers weren't physical enough. And I think the thing with Staley is like you see some guys a lot of times in the right play to make a play, right? And unlike the third and nine where you had the run, that the guys weren't there for that. But like most of the time you see a guy in this bright spot that should be making the play and they're just not getting it done. And there's a fair amount of that too, just guys not winning their individual matchups and not winning one-on-ones in the running game and, you know, getting contained in the running game and all those things that you have to do to be a good defense in that way. But you're just not seeing it. The coaching isn't there. The execution isn't there, and that's how you get such an ugly game like you saw on Sunday against the Broncos. But the other big thing is just the roster depth, not having the dudes out there that you need to go win games like that. And I think we found out how important Matt Filer was on Sunday, right? And I think you also saw another game where a good defense confuses Justin Herbert just enough to make him uncomfortable and forces him into some rush throws, some behind throws, you know, other guys dropping passes and penalties put him in some tough situations as well but really turned the tide for the Broncos and sealed the game in the second half. So we're going to get into those and how things can maybe get fixed for the Chargers or what has to change for them going forward, coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that even with the Chargers game going so poorly, there is some good news, and that means it's Cyber Monday, and you guys can get big discounts on the best protein bar on the planet. And, of course, I'm talking about Built Bar. It's here, the best Monday of the year, Cyber Monday, where Built.com is the place to aim your mouse because you can get at least 20% off everything delicious and healthy at built.com all of the different protein bars they have in on that website are 20 percent off or more right now and the bigger discounts on built boost broth built swag everything that you find on built.com right now is going to be discounted and they're all worth it full price anyways like so many good flavors to choose from and you're eating something that's going to fit on your diet and right now they have a couple more things that are going to make it really hard to not get in on the Built Bar action because they have a brand new flavor that just landed in time for Cyber Monday, Caramel Almond Delight, and it delivers everything it promises. Caramelized chocolate, check. Almonds, check. Delightful, double check. Be sure to get yours before they're gone. 150 grams or 150 calories and 17 grams of protein loaded in that one. And, I mean, I love white chocolate right now. Built Bar Puffs have a new flavor, white chocolate cheesecake that you guys can get on sale because right now, Everything at Built.com is 20% off. So all you guys have to do on this Cyber Monday is get to Built.com and get these incredible tasting new bars for 20% off with the promo code LOCKED20. That's promo code LOCKED20, all caps, one word. Get it before it's too late, guys, because these Built Bars are great and the sales are going fast. All right, guys, I also need to tell you guys about the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast, and that is BetOnline.ag. And if you guys want to talk about deals and sales going on, I mean, there's always great odds, props, and lines. On Bet Online, it's the only place that I go for all of my betting action, whether I'm talking about football, college, or pro. It's the best place to go. You can make player props, make your own bets, basically. Get the bet that you want with betonline.ag because you're going to find all of the different options that they have available. And you guys should check that out for Cyber Monday as well and see all the deals that they have going on because chances to win a ton of money by not betting a lot. And I think that's always what you're looking for. And if you guys go to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today you can receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with the promo code locked on all caps one word as always to receive your bonus that's house money to play with and even if you're not trying to bet on sports you can even do your favorite vegas casino games to go along with things like ufc boxing nhl baseball season when it comes back you can find all the favorite bets that you want at betonline.ag 
BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, guys. Well, like I said, I don't want to go into a full recap here just because nobody should be put through that game twice, right? So I think it's important to key in on the things that are obviously more most important to the Chargers doing well down the stretch because they're still in it. You know, at 6-5, and five, they're above 500. The AFC is clogged, right? I think that's kind of the best way to talk about it. And the rest of the teams in the AFC are going to have to play a lot of divisional games and be kind of beating each other up as well. So there is definitely a prime opportunity for the Chargers to get things right. And I think the biggest thing is, do they have the dudes to do that, right? And I think one of the things that really got put under the you know microscope, David, on Sunday was the depth, right? And I mean, Limbaugh Joseph goes out. Yeah, he wasn't there last week, and Brain Fehoko and Forrest Merrill and guys like that picked up the slack, and they had a good performance. But for three of the four games, the Chargers were looking better on the run defense you know, game. They had Limbaugh Joseph in there, and he is figuratively and literally a huge loss for the Chargers defense. That obviously hurt. I mean, Melvin Gordon going for 4.9 yards per carry. He looked like the best running back on the field somehow. I mean, I mean Javante Williams did have that nice reception, but either way, those guys were tearing up the Chargers defense for large portions of the game. But offensively is really where it stood out because there was a drive in the second half where Senio Calamente, who was filling in for Matt Filer, who has been great, by the way. I mean, Matt Filer has been a really, really solid pickup for the Chargers offense, had played every offensive snap going into this game. And I think there was some confusion, David, because obviously Brandon Hymas was the guy in the preseason that got all the second team reps at that left guard spot, had some sort of chemistry right with Rashawn Slater in those games that those two got to work together at least. And instead, it's Clemente that goes in, right, and ends up struggling badly. I mean, he ends up having one driver. He almost single-handedly kind of derails the Chargers drive. He has two penalties. He has a false start and a holding call, and then ends up giving up a really easy, quick sack on Justin Herbert where he didn't really put up much of a, you know, wall at all for him or he give him much time. style on that one. Yeah, to get rid of it. And, like, the thing is, is, you know, this guy got called in from the streets. This is more about what the Chargers didn't do before the season started. But in the running game, it was affected as well because that left side was the pillar of the Chargers running game. That was their strong point. That's where they went when they needed any kind of big play. That's when they needed to, you know, when they needed to get things going. They were following Rashawn Slater, Corey Lindsley, and Matt Filer on that left side. So I think this was another game that, you know, it really exposed the depth of this team because we knew it was flawed. But when you see so many things getting, you know, exposed like they were, and then one guy specifically filling in over a rookie that you drafted this year and looking the way he did is obviously not a great sign. Not at all. I mean, first of all, it highlights how important Matt Filer is and how phenomenal he's been this year. I mean, what value in that contract, at least so far, I mean, for him to miss this game. And you really see it right away. You see it in the pass protection. You see it in the run blocking. That tenacity is just not there. And then Kelamete just had a lot of trouble. And for me, it's just like, if that's the level of play that you're getting out of Kelamete, then what are we not getting from Brendan Hymas? Or what are they not seeing? Like, why is it, why is it that he can't get on the field? If this is what you're putting out there and Brandon Staley says, Hey, we just wanted to go with the, with the veteran in this situation. But like, I mean, you got to give the kid a chance. I mean, that was a really bad performance and, and God forbid Matt Fowler misses any more time. But if that's the case, I mean, please, anybody but Kelamete, if, it, if it's going to be like that, please put Brennan Hymas out there. Give him his opportunity. I mean, what is going on with him if he's not on the field at this point? Yeah, I mean, I it was... Get why we didn't get like a... Like, why was it like some kind of like rotation? Like after the... 
archives, try something new. I like put Hymas in. You know, why don't we try new things if it's some if something's not working? It didn't make sense to me at all. Like you put you want to go with a guy who's been leaked, but is obviously showing he hasn't learned anything in those nine years because he's still messing up. It doesn't make sense. Well, and that's the thing too, though. It's like he just obviously wasn't a great player, you know, when they picked him up. Like he's a guy that obviously, you know, had his struggles, which is why he wasn't on a team. I mean, you're kind of getting who Senio Calamete is. Like he's not always going to necessarily be that bad. Like he could have a better game than that, obviously. But I think the biggest thing is, is like, yeah, I mean, the Chargers defensively, I think you've seen them pull guys, right? I think Michael Davis has gotten pulled at some points. Asante Samuel Jr. has gotten pulled. Michael Davis, or Kenneth Murray's been pulled. Like, the guys have been pulled out defensively. You haven't seen that as much offensively. I mean, you have to see it, you know, in offensive snap counts, especially on the offensive line. And they, big, you know, big part of that is them believing that you want to build chemistry even as the game's going on. I get that part of it. But I think the biggest thing is, like, at this point, you know, obviously so soon to tell, but your roster was at a part at a point where you needed rookies to come in and contribute right away because of the lack of, you know, talent and lack of depth on this roster. And so far, the only two you've gotten really consistent production out of are your first two picks for Sean Slater and Asante Samuel Jr. And that's always been the knock on Tom Telesco is hitting with those other picks. And that hasn't changed yet, right? Hitting with the third round pick, hitting with the fourth round pick, finding guys late in the draft. That can be, you know, considerable replacements or work into something. And, I mean, we haven't seen how Brandon Staley and his coaching staff develops players yet. But, I mean, I liked what I saw out of Brendan Hymas in college and in the preseason. And, like, you're getting to a point where, hey, I mean, you have to kind of – obviously, that guy's not out there doing it. So, like, it's just hard to imagine Brendan Hymas looks worse than that if he gets to be out there for the whole game on Sunday. And it would have been, obviously, very valuable experience under his belt. Matt Filer is going to be a huge guy to get back. They need, really, really need, I mean, Matt Filer and Limbaugh Joseph just to start. Asante Samuel Jr., really, I mean, going into this game against the Bengals, they really need him back because, like I said, it's just the roster depth is not good. But the other thing is, too, is just that offensive line showing led to another really, really bad couple of moments for Justin Herbert. And I think it, it all is linked together because Justin Herbert has two interceptions. The first one, Sucks because it gets called back on a screen pass where Austin Eckler gets deep inside the red zone, has a first and goal situation, but the screen takes too long to set up and they end up getting called for an illegal man downfield. That is really tough and totally avoidable, right? I mean, Austin Eckler gets caught up in the scrum. Justin Herbert can't get it out right away. You can see him kind of double clutch on that play and he kind of has to wait too long to get it out to him. And then that penalty happens a couple plays later. You have Jerry Cook. Actually getting open, right? Gets a release down the field. Justin Herbert tries to float it over the top of Patrick Sertan the second. Doesn't get enough on it. And it was a tough way because I think, you know, he's running forward, which doesn't help you a ton as far as arm strength. And then he kind of tried to flatten out so that he wouldn't cross the line of scrimmage. And I think that, you know, definitely played a factor in it as well. I mean, I like, I don't even think it was a terrible decision. I think it was really just a poor throw by Justin Herbert. And then the second interception, the pick six that makes it 28 to seven. That one, Austin Eckler has to catch it, right? I mean, that's first. I mean, Justin Herbert said there was a miscommunication. Brandon Staley said it was a miscommunication. Austin Eckler said it was a miscommunication. And if we're getting to the Anthony Lynn miscommunication talk, like things are obviously going poorly for the Chargers, if that's the word that's going to be the highlight of the press conferences. But I mean, all in all, Austin Eckler. Second drop of the day, if you're counting that drop, he said if it hits his hands, 
you know, he has to catch it. But the funny thing is in his press conference, the one he he was talking about was a third down or was a play earlier in the game where he had a lower pass from Justin Herbert that he should have caught and he didn't end up catching it. That would have been a first down. Didn't mention the one that was behind him. So I don't know if he agreed on the miscommunication part of it, but the Chargers cleared things out. Austin Eckler had about 20 yards of room to run if he does catch it, right? Justin Herbert throws a high up behind a little bit with heat on it. He can't come away with it, but still, I mean, Yes, Justin Herbert, like this is the thing. Both things can be true. Justin Herbert can, you know, have a less laser beam pass all the time. And Austin Eckler can still catch the ball. Like the two things don't have, you know, the two things can both be happening. And Justin Herbert has to be better. But it did seem like to me, David, like it started with the lack of confidence in the offensive line that seemed to kind of really make him speed things up a little bit, make him brush some throws a little bit. And it did seem like he was potentially trying to do too much. And it's okay, he's going to have bad games, right? And I think when you don't have a running game to support you, that's going to happen. When you don't have the most engine, you know, the best play calling at your side and you're getting wide open receivers, because there were not wide open receivers a lot of times. This was not just, uh, you know, Justin Herbert missing guys. Like, guys were getting covered downfield. The coverage was good. And the Broncos were able to get pressure with four. But those are the two plays. I mean, the interception, when you have a chance to go down and tie the game, and then a pick six that makes it a three-score game. Like, obviously, that's what ends up deciding things. And there's a lot of blame to go around. Yeah, it's cri- it's crippling. I mean, it, it's just it was a perfect storm of bad. I mean, Justin Herbert makes some bad throws, some uncharacteristic throws. I mean, there's no running game to support you. He's got pressure in his face. So, I mean, whenever you have good coverage on the back end and you got pressure in your face coming at you, I mean, that's that's what you want from the defensive side. And that's just everything you don't want as a quarterback. So it's hard to get to get comfortable and to be able to make those accurate throws and be able to set your feet and to be decisive. And, and, you know, Justin Herbert tried to run and and tried to extend plays a couple of times in this game, but he didn't really have as much space as he had against say, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday night football. But I mean, yeah, it was just a a lot of things went wrong in this game. The offense could never get started. uh, And, you know, the defense kept them around long enough, but I mean, those two interceptions just on back-to-back drives were just crippling and killer and at that point in time, the Chargers were just too far in it, and they got buried. Yeah, and they had a good chance. Well, I, th- I, think I mean, this, they still had a good chance. I, I just feel like this whole game was a lot of uh, bad bad decisions by Justin Herbert as well. There's things like he threw in the double coverage a few times. He threw in, um, some plays that were not even like wide open. Like, he, they were really risky. And when he ran the ball and he slid, he took way too long to slide. He I know he took a glance over at me and then slid. Like you put your chance at a, you gave yourself a chance to fumble right there. Like if you're gonna take a while to slide and wait for a DB to get close to you and dive forward and get the extra yard if that's what you're trying for, or have a better presence of players around you if you did not see that DB until the last second, you got to be more aware because he only had one hand on the ball and almost fumbled the ball after a really good pickup, and he was running for his life and still somehow running for first downs and then that fourth down to Jalen Guyton. Somehow, like you, you could just tell how much we were hanging. Just that little thread. The, I said this on Twitter. The play that showed how much the Chargers were living by just that little thread was that play to Jalen Guyton. Herbert's rolling to the left side, throws it all the way across. Guyton gets in and somehow runs around all these goes to pick up the first down. We were just hanging on by, by still in that game. Yeah, and I mean that was uh, by the way a play we haven't gotten into, but that was a great play by Justin Herbert and Jalen Guyton. I mean he bought himself a lot of time. Nothing opened up on the left side. Throws it all the way across the field again, which you're never supposed to do, especially at that distance. 
and Jalen Guyton makes a man miss to pick up a huge fourth down in that scenario and ends up leading to zero points. But either way, it was a great play by those two guys making good individual efforts. But yeah, I mean, this was the game I saw the most interceptable passes by Justin Herbert. Because that's the thing is Justin Herbert didn't have a ton of picks this year, but like he also didn't have a lot of picks that were dropped. There were a few picks that were dropped in this game. Him throwing into really tight windows. The Broncos had eight passes defense. I mean, they were keeping things really tight and getting yeah, pressure. Could before. have been four picks. Yeah, it could have been. And like he still could be really good. Like, and he still is, you know, can be a good quarterback and didn't get the support and had some bad throws on Sunday and probably tried to do a little bit too much. But on tomorrow's show, the good news is we can kind of restart a little bit. We will be looking at some things as far as where the Chargers are at at this point in the playoff picture because they were still on a wild card slot, you know, as that game ended, even with the loss still being two and one inside the division. So we'll talk about that and some things that have to go right for them going down the stretch to make a playoff run because right now it's getting really hard to imagine this team who can't win consecutive games to string together a run down the stretch to make a really good push for that playoff spot with a lot of divisional games coming up and some tough AFC matchups and some take care of business games too that they're going to have to beat some bad teams as well which has never been an easy concept for the Chargers but that's going to wrap things up for today's show again thank you guys for listening on a painful day to be a Chargers fan we appreciate you guys making us your first listen and you can always follow us wherever you get the show you can find us there I mean Spotify Apple Podcasts tune in app the Odyssey app, you name it, you can find us there as well as subscribing to our Locked On Chargers YouTube channel, which you can do if you're watching now at the bottom of the page. And make sure to check us out on there, guys, if you haven't already. We would appreciate that. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. If you guys want to get your voicemails in, we have a couple of rants coming in already. But you guys can vent to us at 323-524-7924. We won't be doing what went right and what went wrong tomorrow since there wasn't a lot of right. So get some voicemails in. We'll try to get to them this week and get going on this huge matchup this week against Cincinnati. They are on to Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, Justin Herber, another matchup that I'm excited to watch and extremely nervous about already. But we'll be back here with you guys tomorrow to talk about all of that. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.